Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is Lessons from Ancient Times. And I want to speak a prophetic message because I know some of you watch Christian TV, uh, follow people on social media, and there's a lot of talk about what's called eschatology, right? The study of the end times, right? I know there's a lot of young, uh, theologically astute people on TikTok and Instagram that's talking about it and talking about the end of the world. But I want to re remind you that they've been talking about the end of the world since 7070 AD, right? But I just still think we need to be prepared and to be given prophetic insight on how to continue to thrive when society is operating with fear and division and anger. Because there are, there are cycles and strategies for the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9, and if you want to look at your app, you can go ahead and look at your app. But I want to remind you that Ecclesiastes is a philosophical, theological book. If you want to uh, study uh, theology or philosophy, I, I highly suggest that you read a book by a, a man named Peter Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T, called The Three Philosophies, based on the book of Job, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Song of Solomon. And the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 through 10 says, History, in the New Living Translation, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. And Paul writes to the, to the church in the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. That's a sermon right there. Yes. We can go home now. <laughs> let's not get tired of doing what's good. Yes. Right? For people on a, on a journey for health. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. People on a journey to recover their, their, their credit and build up savings. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. Parents that want to read to their children Bible stories every day. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. For couples who are dedicated to building their marriage. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessings yeah. if we don't give up. Amen. That's why we need healing. Because many of us have been living a fight or flight all our life. And we get tired and we want to give up. Because it reminds us of the time when we were 14 and the situation happened. When we were 23 and our heart was broken. When we were 33 and we went through divorce. When we were 44 and we didn't get that promotion. And so sometimes life beats you up when you lose your intrinsic internal endurance. So time repeats itself. Do not give up. History has cycles. Reoccurring patterns. And they're relevant in our time. Economics have cycles, right? There's, there's ways to predict cycles of the economy. There's stages in our lives. There's stages in our children's lives. And we know that if we don't take care of our children at a certain stage, they won't trust for the rest of their life. Yeah. Or they won't be independent for the rest of their life. Or they won't try hard for the rest of their life. So we recognize and realize that there are stages and ages, and cycles, and patterns, and seasons, and circles. 
and, and even history has a cyclical nature. There is a ton of parallels between the assassination of Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy. There are a ton of parallels. The person's name, where they shot them, where they got shot, the time they got shot, the vice president's name. And, and it's not just a conspiracy, it's just an evidence of cycles. There's echoes in history. There are time frames. There, are, there, are, there, there is a time, uh, what's the, there is um, Kronos time and there's Kairos time. Right? There's Kronos time, TikTok, and there's Kairos time, times of divine opportunity. This is why you need to be prepared with your elevator pitch of who you are, whose you are, what you could do, what you came from. You're not a victim, you're a survivor, and you have assembled some skills. You know your strengths, you know your spiritual gifts. See, some of us, we know more about fantasy football than ourselves. Some of us know more about our favorite singer than we know about ourselves. So there's patterns. Just as nature dances to a familiar tune, history too has a melody of repetition. In the pages of history, the past whispers to us, revealing in its hidden echoes. And this is why we must stay sitting in the front of the school of the spirit. Reading the word of God all our lives. This is why I tell you, listen, if you've got time, we go to BibleSermons.com and read 40 chapters. Each chapter is written in 160 characters, letters to space. Read 40 a day. By the end of September, right, you have read, you have read and summarized the whole Bible. And if you do that three times a year and you have your daily devotions, I'm telling you, things are going to light up in your spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to have more. The more you deposit, the more the Holy Spirit can withdraw out. Because he's not going to give you revelation. He's going to give you illumination. He's going to light up what's already inside of you. But you need a system of divine deposits. You need fresh manna. You couldn't save up the manna in that time. You needed fresh manna from heaven, fresh food. So today we're going to look at some people in the Bible that were going through times that they thought it was the end times. And strategies they used that we could use in our lives so we could thrive. Because people who study economy will tell you in every downturn, new millionaires are developed. Because there's people who are opportunistic and they take advantage of everybody's fear. Right? So there might be a situation where everybody's quiet quitting, you're quietly moving the needle in your job. And when people get laid off, you'll get promotions. There are strategies. So let's look at Noah. Somebody say Noah. Noah. Turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. And when you read Genesis 6, you also understand that many historians and theology theologians will tell you that Noah happened after there was a scene of some kind of breaking of the veil where fallen angels were somehow having babies with women and there were giants in the land and there was depravity everywhere and there was no government, there was no church People were supposed to be living in tribes with their family, yielding to the voice of God. But then, but then because of sin, we were separated. And people started building cities. And people started bullying each other. And there was giants in the land. So Noah, if you talk to Noah at this time, he will tell you this is the end times. 
There are literally demons spawn babies walking around. There's no law. There's no king. There's no ruler. Might is right. Right is not might. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw everything they thought. Listen, everything. Everything they thought or imagined. It starts in the mind. Everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Verse 6. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. I pray that you will have your heart broken after the things that break God's heart. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry around the ground, even the birds in the sky. I'm sorry I haven't made them. But look at verse 8. But, somebody say but. Noah found favor with the Lord. So this is some of the lessons we learned from Noah. Faithfulness in the face of corruption. You may be working in a corrupt place, but stay faithful. You may be living in a corrupt place, but stay faithful. You may be in a corrupt situation, Stay faithful to God because maybe you will be the one that found favor in God's eyes. Nothing we learn from Noah, stay building. Somebody say build. God gave Noah instruction. He said something's coming that you've never seen before. And this is what I need you to do. You know, and, and some Jewish mystic experts say that Noah was big. That people thought Noah was a giant. That Noah was big. And striking, it might be an albino, like people were scared of him. God gave him features to make people back up. You know, there's certain parts of you that people don't want to say nothing, they want to back up because that's how God made you for a reason. And so he was building. You know how strong this guy must have been? Building, building, negotiating, getting timber from people. And this was a lawless place, there was no Home Depot. There was no permits. You had to be built a certain way to get anything at this time. To imagine the space he needs to secure to work on this. And so no one is building. He is faithful. He's preaching. The Bible describes in the New Testament that he was preaching. Nobody got saved. Keep preaching even if your family hears it and only your family hears it. Keep building and keep preaching. Even if no one but your family survives. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to tie this. As your pastor, I love you. Everything was happening for a rainy day. Keep saving for a rainy day. Because the money you save may save you later on. Keep saving. Keep saving. I know you're like, Pastor, I don't see that in the Bible. Well, I'm going to take a little liberty as your pastor. <laughs> keep saving. Keep building. Keep saving. Even if it's just $25 a week and then it turns to $40 a week and there's a little compound interest and then you look at this bank and this virtual bank has more savings and you jump to this bank and keep saving. Because Noah built for years, for decades. Keep preaching with your life and keep saving. Keep building. Stay faithful. 
We must stay faithful in a time of moral decline. Our faith must shine brighter in darkness. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. He made the hall of faith. It said, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. To save his family from the flood. There's a word inside of you. It's a word inside. I don't even have to preach it. To save the, there may be a flood coming in your life. And your wisdom, your faithfulness, and your obedience to the plan God has given you is going to save your family from a flood. He, he obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. Second insight we're going to learn. We learned from Noah, now we're going to learn from Abraham and Lot. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Verse 22. We're going to learn about praying in the midst of moral decline and the midst of impending judgment. Right? It says, the other men turned and headed towards Sodom. Right? It's talking about some angels. But the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached them and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Abraham is negotiating with God. It's crazy. That's a good spot. Verse 24. Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sake? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why? Uh, why you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't, be do, you wouldn't do that. Sure, should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again and said, Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there was, uh, there was only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? Five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there was only 40, and the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Verse 30, please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And, the, and Abraham's thinking about this place. He's like, you know, I'm, this place is kind of, you know. <laughs> I will not destroy it if I find 30. Abraham said, since I've dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. <laughs> Suppose there were only 20. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. And then Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Uh, this is a word for somebody about negotiation. The door's not locked. You just got to You got to push. All right. Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way and Abraham returned to his tent. So today's lesson. Be persistent and be bold in prayer. Intercede for your community Seek God's mercy and transformation. Pray for the world. Pray for the country. But I want you to take this down. This is your homework. Get a, a list of 10 to 20 people you commit to pray for every day. 
And just watch what happens. And as you pray for them, let the Holy Spirit change your prayers. Right? Let the Holy Spirit like evolve and, and, and educate you in the realm of the Spirit Amen. to trust God for their life. Right? You may be just praying, oh, I pray, Lord, that they get a job at IBM. And then you're like, oh, I've been praying to get a job in the tech sector. Then you're like, no, I've been praying to get a job. Right? And let the Holy Spirit guide you and let the Holy Spirit work out the details. But one thing I want to challenge you is that we can't have eschatology, eschatology uh, analysis paralysis. Where we just look at how bad everything, all these migrants, all this marijuana, all this bail reform, all this. And yes, there's, there's some challenges going on. <laughs> but can you pray? That's why God spoke to Peter this morning and said the, the posture and position of power is not just being loud and proud, it's about prayer. It's about prayer. So this morning, I want to challenge you. While we live in tumultuous times, can you commit yourself to be faithful and build and commit yourself to have a prayer list to pray for 10 people? If you keep doing what is right, you will reap a harvest. But we stop right before. It's like the famous picture of the guy digging for diamonds and he quits right before the diamond the other side. Keep praying. James chapter 5, verse 16, the second portion says that the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. So that's your homework. Pray for 10 people. Your homework, what, what do you think God's called you to build? All right, let's look at Elijah. Reflection on Elijah's life. Elijah thought it was the end of the world too. Elijah had burnout. He was in despair. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I know online usually preach 10, 12 minutes, but we in church, amen? <laughs> we in church. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Elijah just had a battle with the prophets of Baal, right? A, a, a prophet battle, right? He was hot. He was feeling good, right? He, he defeated them. There was fire. He was just like, he won. You know, people died. It was blood. It was crazy, right? It was like UFC times 10,000, right? <laughs> So Ahab got home and told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. Verse 2. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you've killed them. Right? Now Jezebel comes from a place her father was supposedly a priest of Baal, and the father married, or father, and Jezebel and Ahab got married as kind of like a treaty, right, that these people don't fight these people, it was like a, a political marriage, and so she grew up as an acolyte of Baal, right, she loved Baal, and she brought those prophets of Baal to Israel, right, and she was like, well, we're married, so let me bring my things here, that's why you, got, you can't be unequally yoked, because people you tied to may be pulling you in another direction, right, and so there was a, the, the battle of the, the, the prophets. Look at verse 3. So understand, Elijah just produced fire, had the strength to kill all these bad guys, try to restore Israel back to his original covenant. He was on a, a drum and a high. But look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. 
I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Oh, that's a good word, right? <laughs> get up and eat. And he, took, he looked around, there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Oh, I like that. He, he took a nap. And then the angel of the Lord came and touched him again. I thank God for the second touch. Because we hard-headed. <laughs> touched him again and said, go, get up and eat some more. Oh, hallelujah. How about the Elijah diet, right? Uh, on the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, and that he had a, 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 um, he had, he had a revelation and he, had a, he met God. So this is some things we can look up. God has called us to be bold in our convictions, right? But God's called us to rest as well. And there has to be a pattern and rhythm in our life. We can't just be bold every day. Bold every day, bold every day, bold every day. Because if we don't learn how to rest and take care of our temples, we will burn out. I don't care how much you pray. If you don't rest, if you don't take a Sabbath, if you don't eat right, if you don't know how to rest to the Lord, you will burn out. And another thing we look here is that we can overcome burnout with God's care. Right? Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord, God will renew their strength. And so some of us, we never really, really recovered from 2020. We were just going and going and going and going and gaslit and gaslit and going and going and, and traumatized, traumatized, lowercase t, lowercase t. And I want to let you know that maybe God wants to put you in a season of rest. Why do you think we chose a hybrid model? Because we want you to rest and take care of yourselves. We want you to rest and take care of your family. We want you to rest and take care of the obligations. Yeah. So that's one thing we could learn from Elijah. He's going through this time. He thought it was the end of the world. He thought he got these prophets of Baal, this fire, this Jezebel promised to kill him. He wants to die. He wants to give up. But an angel still shows up on the scene, tells him to eat. The angel comes again and touches him again. Thank God for a second touch. And then God brings him into a place of revelation, a mountaintop experience to transform his life. And on the mountaintop experience, you know what he did? He not only showed him his glory, but he said, you're going to build a game. And you're going to have three or four people. And then he said, if you're not alone, there are thousands of others that need to bow down to you. All right, last thing, last thing, last thing, last thing. So, so we're learning to build. We're learning to pray. We're learning to recover in the presence of God, right? And the last thing is we have to learn to appropriate Christ's victory. We have, and I know this is... Just something you got to say to yourself over and over. We have to fight from victory, not just for victory. Right? We're running to, we're not running from. It looks the same, but the energy is different. The book of Luke. Turn Luke. Right? We're going to look at Jesus' triumph on Mount Hermon. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter and John and James up to a mountain to pray. 
It was a prayer again. And he was praying. And the appearance of his face was transformed. And his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what he was saying, blurted, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as a memorial, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice finished, Jesus was there alone, and they didn't tell anything, anyone about what they had seen. Right? And so, this mount, this place was significant. It's been said that this is the same place that the fallen angels came over the veil to come down to earth. And so Jesus was reclaiming that mountain, was demonstrating his victory in the face of the enemy. That mountain represents a spiritual battleground where dark forces once rebelled against God. But by, revi by revisiting that mountain, Jesus reclaims this ground, asserting his authority over principalities. And so in the midst of this end of the world vibe and, and times are so terrible and all this stuff and, 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 and people are betting against the stock market, I want you to remember the authority Jesus has. I, I want you to remember the authority and that you are under that authority. Jesus and the devil are not here to hear. The devil's way down here. Right? Just because he's the enemy, he's not the counterpart. Right? It's like the revelation when you start explaining to children, like your teacher works with you and kind of for you. Your teacher doesn't match your mom and your daddy. Right? And your kid's like, oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's like, no, no, no. And the dentist, he's your friend. Mommy and daddy pays the dentist to help you. The dentist is not your authority. The dentist is your helper. Right? This is how rich people train their children. Right? We train our children as the teacher, does the dentist, oh, you're going to be nice. No, no, they train them that they're here to help you. They're not better than you, they're not better than dad, they're not better than mommy, they're here to serve you. And so when we understand our authority in Christ, we understand that the devil is not stronger than Christ. That the devil can't touch us without our, our uh, permission. And that the devil can't defeat us. We operate with a different level of confidence. So just as Jesus triumphed over spiritual darkness, we can claim his authority to overcome any battle. Colossians 2.15 says, In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. So I'm done. Can we learn from Noah? Can we build? And I pray that not only do you build, 
that the Holy Spirit gives you so much strength, strength that you would have gave up already, that you will build whatever God has called you to build in your life, that you will build. And that you will preach this gospel with your behavior to your family. That those who know you most will respect you most. That there will be congruence between who you say you are and who you really are. Can we learn from Abraham? Can we boldly come before the Lord and pray for our tent? Can you pray for your tent? Can you pray one minute at one o'clock for your ten? Can you pray ten minutes on the weekends for your ten? Can you pray for your ten? And pray it through until something push. Pray until something happens. Can you be like Elijah? And can you be bold? And can you learn to rest in your soul? So you can go back to this battle. And lastly, can you recognize the lifelong revelation that we are fighting from victory, not just for victory. And that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That we are the head and not the tail. That we are called to be more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we stand before you humbled by your word, by your wisdom from ancient times. And the way your son triumphed, Jesus triumphed over the darkness. Grant us your strength to have unwavering faith. To build. To pray with boldness. To trust your unwavering provision. May we be empowered by the authority that Jesus has secured for us. us. Enabling us to overcome every challenge and opposition. As we navigate the cycles of life, may our hearts resonate with the melodies of victory. As we watch the news, may we watch the news just praying for people and not in fear but with faith. Because we know the chords are limited but the the combinations are unlimited. And there's unlimited things you could do with a saint that truly yields his or her life to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.